0: Ladies and gentlemen, to Unsportsmanlike Conduct, I'm El Smith Mitch joined alongside by Mr. Christian Boer. Christian, how are we doing today on this fabulous, but yet freezing Tuesday?
1: I mean, the weather's beautiful outside. I can't really ask for much more. To be honest with you, classes are done for the day, and I don't have any homework, so living the dream, you could say.
0: Dream, nightmare, what's the difference nowadays, No kidding. (laughs) So, So, let's get right to it here, um... Big game happened on Sunday, and that game did not go the way I mm-hmm. thought it would go. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers knock off the Kansas City Chiefs 31-9. to uh, Boy, Brady wins another Super Bowl MVP. Um, though it looked like the Chiefs were just out of their element the entire game. Christian, just get to your thoughts about this game. Yeah, it shows the importance of your blindside tackle.
1: That's what uh, we were on a conference call with with Jim McElwain today. Austin Chastain and I were in first question he asked us was was what we thought of the Super Bowl and I said well it just shows you the importance of your left tackle and he kind of chuckled at that and really that's the point because what happened was, was Tampa Bay was bringing guys off the edge they were bull rushing the backup tackles and there were just no answer and Patrick Mahomes didn't have any time to set his feet you know if he had time he had been able to sling it around I think it would have been a lot different because you know the, the Buccaneers second ridden didn't have to do a ton uh, you talked Last week about Travis Kelsey and his importance, and he still put up numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, just imagine if they could have put the ball in his hands a couple more times. Mahomes would have had the time to throw it. I you can't discount Mahomes' effort. I mean that dude's throwing passes parallel to the ground. Certainly not. This one's not on him. It's just you know the fact of the matter that they you're going in with a backup offensive line and going up against one of the best pass rushes in the NFL. Um, and then obviously offensively, Tampa Bay was clicking for. Most of the first half, and that was really
0: all they needed to do. I kept saying the past couple of weeks that Tampa pass rush is going to be X Factor, and once again, I was right. Mahomes ran around with like a chicken with his head cut off. He made some insane throws, which, by the way, you just want to throw us out there. Um, the best quarterbacks are baseball players. I'll mm-hmm. save the debate, the long debate for another day. But you can tell some of the throws Mahomes had made and on Sunday and in the past, but. I don't think Kansas City's defense that second quarter could have gone any worse. So wow. many flags are just—it was bad. So many weapons that Tampa had. We, we talked about KC's weapons. I don't think we gave enough credit to the receiving core and tight end core, and the running backs of Tampa Bay. It gets a lot of PI calls, a lot of holding calls that just kept prolonging the drive. Just couldn't get off the field. That done bad second quarter. and They were just never really able to respond after that. Trying to get them going. Did you, by chance, have any bet that there would be a streaker on the field and also also the streaker would be closer to the end zone than Kansas City would have been in that game? (laughs) I didn't have any money on it. However,
1: I was hoping for it, especially when the game took the turn that it did and it looked like it was going to be a blowout. I mean, I was looking for anything to keep me involved, so... To be able to see that was pretty funny, and then to hear Kevin Harlan call it was oh, incredible. Man. Kevin Harlan, what a legend!
0: Yeah, keep your pants on, my man. Keep your pants on. <laughs> Jeez, absolutely. So, as we're sitting here now, um, where where does Kansas City go from here? Or where does Tampa go from here? Well, Tampa Bay, it's all about finding a way to keep everybody back. On the
1: you know, you got a lot of guys with expiring contracts. You got to figure out how to keep those guys within the salary cap restraints. Um maybe you you know you're going to have to look maybe you you experiment maybe late round quarterback I mean Tom Brady certainly looks like he's going to play forever but obviously it's not going to happen so you got to be able to start planning internally for the solution there but at the same time you want to go repeat so being able to keep as much of this team intact as possible I think is goal number 1 for them and then on the other side Kansas City make sure, just make sure you get everybody back healthy you know Eric Fisher don't don't stunt his rehab or anything like that by any Means Take the offseason, get healthy. I see Patrick Mahomes is having surgery. Just have everybody get healthy because at the end of the day, talent-wise, they still are one of, if not the best team in
0: the NFL. So just a matter of shoring it up and maybe adding a piece or two on defense. Yeah, obviously Tampa, like you mentioned, keep everybody together. Um, although I don't think I think some of the players on defense, talk about guys like Dominick and Sue and uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. Uh, some of guys on offense, too, like an Antonio Brown or Rob Gronkowski or like a Ryan Jensen, maybe you can consider throwing him there. Some of these veteran guys, um, can they match the same level they played at this season? I mean, I don't know about AB's future honestly. And I mean, as a bad thing I'm just saying is, you know, he overcame all this this all so far, and you now he's got a ring, got a touchdown, a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and did really well. It's like, you know, does he want to keep going, or you know, does he like he says you know what, I have my life back the way I want it. I'm a Super Bowl champion. Maybe this is a good time to just enjoy the rest of my life. You know, that's kind of think, where he may be at right now. Yeah. But, you know, but if I'm Kansas City, um, I'm taking a really good hard look at that defense. A really good hard look. Because outside of Chris Jones and Tyron Matthew, I see nine spots that you may need to re- yes. reevaluate. Uh, those are the only two players I can see, honestly, that stay because of contracts and because of the quality of talent. Everything else, you know. I mean, yeah, I mean, Tom Brady got sacked first, but outside of that, you know, I do think I remember really him seeing a lot of pressure. I saw their D line and their linebacking core get gashed in the run game. I saw their secondary um, just get flat out beat and take stupid holding penalties and PI penalties. Uh, that defense needs to take a good hard look and to be reevaluated. I know they retooled it from two years ago when they had some uh, good ball players like Steven Nelson or some other players that I can't think of off the top of my head right now. But. Or maybe like a Justin Houston, too. He lost a couple years ago. But I've been saying for a long time, that defense needs a solid middle linebacker. And right now, they don't have it. You also need a shutdown corner. They have some good young guys. Obviously, DeAndre Baker had one of the most wicked leg injuries I've seen in my life against the Chargers. Uh, obviously, his presence may have helped a little bit, but... Yeah, if I'm Kansas City, you know I'm I'm looking at the offensive line, I'll hopefully I'll get Fisher back by start of the year. Yeah. If not, hopefully by mid season. Mm-hmm. Mitchell Schwartz will hopefully be back, so your right tackle is Short back up. I've maybe someone looking at the interior, I don't think it was that bad, but you know if you need uh share some cap space against defensive players, maybe some of these veteran interior linemen may need to be the sacrificial be sacrificed kinda of for the cap space. Uh, but other than that, obviously, I think Kansas City has a bright, uh, bright outlook. But let me ask you this question, too. After that game, I understand, you know, it wasn't entirely his fault. But one story that come in was like legacy, like Brady against Mahomes. After this game, and not even being able to find the end zone, where does Mahomes go from here? Because obviously, look, still top five quarterback in the league yes. without a doubt. Arm talent's incredible. But... That's the biggest game, big, one of the biggest games of his career. We saw up until about nine minutes left against San Francisco, he struggled. Now we see this game, obviously he's running around and everything. And there's some drops, but at the end of the day, you know, he couldn't find the end zone. Yeah. Where does his legacy, like at this point, I won't say legacy, but like where does like the Mahomes hype train go from here?
1: People need to calm down with the go talk when it comes to Patrick Mahomes, because I, I, I just don't think that's the case. He's going to be a really good quarterback. Uh, he's going to be around for a long time, but at the end of the day, I mean, you, that's a perfectly valid question to ask: Is what exactly is his ceiling now? Because he has won a Super Bowl, but at the same time, you take a look at other guys who have won Super Bowls. How many's Aaron Rodgers won? One. How many Brett Favre win? One. I mean, it, it's it's Drew Brees won one, so. If you want to you want to evaluate a quarterback based on their rings, then sure, he's probably going to end up better off than most of those guys simply because of how long he want how young he is, and having already won one. But at the end of the day, man, I'm telling you, he's going to have to he's going to have to go on a tear if he wants to be mentioned in that upper echelon because Tom Brady is far and away. I mean, I think he's established himself at this point. Seven rings, cute uh, Ariana Grande. um... At the end of the day, man, Mahomes, is he's got his work cut out for him now. You're going to have to, I mean, I don't know if necessarily, ever, obviously everybody wants to be the best, but I don't know if his goal is to is to surpass Brady. If he wants to do that, he's going to have to go off. But Especially with how young and up-and-coming up and the rest of this AFC seems to be. I mean, Buffalo's a piece or two away. Pittsburgh is always going to be around. Cleveland looks like they're on the come-up. Uh, The LA Chargers have something good in Justin Herbert, and it looks like they're a piece or two away from starting to contend in that division. Everybody's on the come-up, man, and if Mahomes wants to stay on the up-and-up, then he's going to have to – you're going to have to go back to the drawing board and improve because otherwise, you know, the rest of the world's going to catch up to you eventually.
0: I will say this, though. Um, I think if we try and compare Mahomes' career to Brady's career with seven rings, I think we're not doing it right because obviously yeah. I think with Mahomes' skill set and his ability, I'm sorry – that trumps Brady, but the competitive edge, yes. the competitive side, the competitor Tom Brady is the way he's able to stay calm and composed in big moments. Nobody on like NFL history, will has, can, or will match that.
1: Yeah, and in I, my opinion, with, I agree with your take on the athletic ability when it comes to impacting a game. Patrick Mahomes is light years ahead of Tom Brady because of the way he can move around, the way he can throw the ball, but it all goes back to that demeanor, and especially in those big games, and that's why I. So I, I I mean, it's probably not a good radio for me to agree with you all the time, yeah. but I think you made a couple of really
0: good points there. I mean, Mahomes is probably the most talented quarterback in the NFL right now, probably mm-hmm. the most talented we've seen. But I think we saw what people, with quarterbacks like Dan Marino, like, you can't just win on talent alone. Right. You've got to have that killer instinct, that competitive edge. And Brady has that to a level that we have never seen and we probably never will see again. But, you know, we're talking about, you know, the Chiefs and stuff, what they do next, what happens next. Are you ready to keep going with this UC Mock Draft version 1.0? yeah, yeah. So, last week we went through our top ten picks. We agreed on five of them. Today, we're going to keep going with that, but we're going to go through picks 11 through 20. So, Christian, are you ready? Absolutely. So... The 11th pick, a team I feel could be a sleeper in the NFC East next season if they can get this offseason right. If Damon Jones is healthy, Saquon Barkley is healthy, and everything else just takes a step forward. They're picking 11th. So, Christian, the 11th pick, the 2021 NFL Draft, the New York Football Giants select Kyle Pitts, tight end from Florida.
1: I think you had him going a little bit higher. I think you had him to Carolina. I think this is a perfect spot for him. I think that his athleticism, his you know, his ability to not yeah, I mean he's listed as a tight end, but he can play wide receiver, he's big enough, he's fast enough, he's athletic enough. So I think that throwing him and just another young playmaker on that offense, I think is a it would be a huge addition for them and I think he would give Daniel Jones another piece and like you said, they
0: could make a run. Just for the record, I've had Justin Fields at 8 to Carolina in the top 10 edition. Uh, I have to debate between that and Pittsburgh. Oh, that's so right. You went back and forth. Right However, there. I will say, this is a spot if a team lay like a Pittsburgh or Indians a quarterback, this could be a trade yes. for I feel. Because for me, the 11th pick, I don't like the pick for them. I have Quitty Pay as an edge guy out of Michigan. Leonard Williams is probably going to walk from the Giants at this point. Count the defensive end. You already have some good D linemen, but you just need... We talked about last week, too. This draft class just lacks those elite pass rushers like we've seen the past couple years. And I think right now, I'm going to sit right now with it. Obviously, we do more versions of this. I'm there, up until the trade scenarios, I think it's a spot where they gets traded. But for now, I'm going to say the Giants take Quidipe. Um Because it's kind of a lower class, I feel like he's one of the, the uh, top edge rushers in this class. But that, said, that said, though, um, a lot of hype around him. And for not playing a whole lot this year, I'm not totally sold on it yet. But... At this point, where the Giants need, I feel it's edge, and the best player for the edge right now is Quitty Pay. So, we're talking about the San Francisco Giants. I'm going San Francisco Giants. Holy smokes. <laughs> it's not baseball season yet, buddy. Um, San Francisco 49ers, that's better. At 12, Christian. Who do Niners pick? Caleb Farley, cornerback. I agree with you on this one.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good move for them to get another. Body in that defensive backfield Especially with all the weapons out there in the NFC West I think that being able to
0: go out and get a young guy For the secondary would be huge for them Especially losing Richard Sherman at this point too Yes You need you need one more corner to go in the back there And you know, outside of Sertain or Furley, you know I don't know how those corner class is going to stack up I want to see how it goes But 13 The Los Angeles Chargers Not the San Diego Chargers The Los Angeles Chargers 13th overall pick Christian Chargers select Samuel Cosme, offensive tackle. I agree, actually. This is turning out to be, uh, for right now, not the, best, uh, not the best when it comes to you know, us disagreeing. But I think we can both agree the Chargers. That O-line needs a lot of work. That's kind of the one bugaboo area. I mean, you have some good weapons. the Hunter Henry, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. I'm forgetting some guys in there. Probably second third round, you could look at running back. Mm-hmm. Defense, you just got to stay healthy. But we can agree it's uh it's O line for the uh, the Chargers. Yes, absolutely. Alrighty, that was a quick little uh, dispute there. Uh, uh, number fourteen, the meaty Sota Vikings, the team that I think it will be a wild card team next year when they get their defensive pieces back from injuries and opt outs. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings select Christian Dariuson, another offensive tackle. We gotta stop it, Green. I feel <laughs> it's gonna happen here in the next couple picks. But we agree. Um, the one thing I feel with the Vikings, obviously, look, Cousins is solid. He's not going to wow you away. But what they want to do to just run the ball with Dalvin Cook, he's perfect for that offense. Um, the O-line, though, has been so inconsistent in the past couple years, and they just need some stability there. We can both agree to that? Mhm. Absolutely. Boy, I think we're going to agree again here at 15. But if not, uh, 16 we will disagree. I know of our facts. So 15th overall pick, the New England Patriots select Rashad Bateman. All right, we finally disagree. Uh, make a case for Bateman. Well, they just
1: they need weapons. They need weapons. I think that, that they thought that maybe Harry would have been a little bit better than he is. Um, getting, getting Bateman in there is another body. Obviously, Julian Edelman, I almost call him Julian Edelman. Uh, Julian Edelman, he's not getting any younger. Um, being able to go out there and get another wide receiver, a big body wide receiver, Bateman's a heck of a player. And for Belichick to put him in that offense, I think that they can address quarterback... In the later rounds, or again, I could see them maybe trading this pick to maybe go get somebody, so it'll be interesting to see how
0: that shakes out. We disagree for the first time, it's the Giants pick. Uh, I have the Patriots taking Trey Lance here, okay. Uh, obviously, kind of my issue is with pay and Michael Parsons. Uh, we have no tape for 2020 on him. Obviously, I think the numbers and the highlights I've seen with him in North Dakota State, um. He looks like somebody that I think, if given a little time, I think the Patriots' O line is going to get back healthy again. Their defense will get some guys back from injuries and opt outs. I think New England's going to do a lot better than people think in twenty twenty one if they can get these weapons sorted out. If they can get the wideouts sorted out, they can establish a run game again. I think they'll be just fine. They need a quarterback in the future. Uh, is Lance the guy? To be TBD. You know, Yeah. we'll see what happens. I think the. The athletic ability, I think, is something that I think Belichick tinker with with Cam Newton. I think Josh McDaniels saw what that he's capable of. You get a young guy in the system that can buy in, like Trey Lance can. Um, but I think, that's a, I think it's a good fit. Now, I agree with you, this pick could be dealt, or the Patriots could go a different way in the first round. That would surprise me. But for now, because it's mock draft 1.0, oh, not mock draft, you know, like 4.0 or 5.0 or 6.9. <laughs> um... I'm going to go with Trey Lance here. So, 16, Arizona Cardinals select. Jace Horn, cornerback, South Carolina. I think
1: that they, you know, like I as I mentioned a little earlier with the 49ers, being able to get a defensive back that can go out there and run with those guys. Obviously, they've got, they're have got they in a pretty good spot offensively, so being able to go out and get a corner who can play a little bump and run with, with, the, with
0: the DK Metcalfs of the world I think would be huge. So, for me here, um... You have DeAndre Hopkins. You have Christian Kirk. Sounds a bit Larry Fitzgerald Stone. Yeah, Andy has a bell in the slot. So for me, just to give Kyler all the weapons a kid can ask for, sixteenth overall pick. Arizona Cardinal select Kyle Pitts, tight end, Florida. Wow. I think honestly, look, best player on the board at this point. You don't need quarterback. Yeah. Obviously, if we get to get Chandler Jones back, you can get some address some things later in the draft. His secondary, I thought, the corners and safeties they figure out a set plan for Isaiah Simmons with Buda Baker back there. Um, that's just scary.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but, you know, if you can get one more weapon, get the best available player on the board at this point, that's Kyle Pitts. We saw what he could do with Florida. We saw how much of a mismatch nightmare he can be. Just imagine, like, okay, you have to guard DeAndre Hopkins. Okay, um, get Kyle Pitts the other side. I think we see, we're seeing now. Yeah. Uh, that tight ends are becoming game changers, game changers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Al Pitts can be a perfect fit here in Arizona, but I also don't see him going past. I don't see him falling past sixteen. I feel like this is the lowest he's going to fall. Right, at least to me. So, seventeen, the Las Vegas Raiders, so close to a playoff spot, but they yep. kind of collapsed last couple games. Who do you have the Raiders taking here? Quiddy Pay, Quiddy Pay, edge rusher from
1: Michigan. Uh, he's been kind of hanging out on the board, and I think that uh, in an effort to to keep that defense and get him going, I think they, you know, John Gruden snags him. I think he would be a good pick for him.
0: Yeah, it's just a one pick here. I don't have a set idea on what they want to do. But for now, because it's version 1.0, I see the Raiders take Joseph Osai. I hope I said that right. Uh, edge rush of Texas. Um, you have guys like Cleveland, Cleveland Farrell and Max Crosby off the edge. So the DNs, just get your hand in the dirt. I'll say I'll say linebacker off the edge. Maybe you can kick one of them inside and in like a nickel or dime package. and Get three good pass rushers in there. But again, this is this is uh, this is where another this is one of the picks. I have no clue how it's going to go. They could trade down. They could trade up. They could take some kid out of Corn State or yeah. you know or like uh, Alaska Anchorage A and M. You know I, I know when Mike Mayock could. Uh, John Gruden, for all I care, it could go Travis Etienne because he's a Clemson kid and they love those Clemson players, apparently. But uh, right now I'm going to say Joseph Osai out of Texas. So, 18th overall pick. We're back to Miami. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins at 18. Who you got? I got him taking another weapon.
1: Uh, Najee Harris. It's just going to be the Alabama boys back there. I really like Najee Harris. I think he's a heck of a runner. I think what he brings in the pass game is incredible as well. So,. For uh for Miami to go out and get them you know, that whole package to uh Devontae Smith, Najee Harris.
0: Yeah. I also had Najee Harris here, but again This is this is the one Miami pick. I think they're gonna stick with what they have at three. But yeah. you talk about eighteen. Yes it could be a spot where they trade down again. Or they could package that in their second round. they got from Houston, or their own second rounder. Move up, get someone else they wanted, but right now I'm going to say Najee. So, uh, 19, the Washington football team. Still getting used to saying football team mm-hmm. here, folks. Uh, the Washington football team selects at 19? Trey Lance. All right.
1: He finally got him coming off the board, and at 19, I think that Washington thinks they're in an okay spot at quarterback with Alex Smith, but at the same time, they want to obviously – you know, Alex isn't going to be around forever – and maybe not even for very much longer after this. So to be able to go get a young guy like Trey Lance, a guy who, you know, maybe the ceiling isn't as high right now, but with a year or two to understand and develop, hasn't played competitively in a while, with the FCS season being moved to the spring. So I think a year or two sit behind Alex Smith. Obviously we know what happened the last time a quarterback sat behind Alex Smith for a year. He just played in the second Super Bowl. So... Again, it's another wait-and-see pick, but I think it's a good move for Washington to
0: select Trey Lance. So for me at 19, I have Washington. almost had their own name. Um, I have Jace Horn from South Carolina here. D-line, great. Linebacking core was really solid this year. Secondary, outside of Kendall Fuller and uh, Landon Collins, needs a little work. Mm-hmm. I think LeBron Rivera being a defensive guy and knowing that offense, um, there are a lot more weapons, a lot of I think, running back, your set, wide receiver you can get later. Um, I think that's where the depth of everything really starts to show when you get to about the 30s to 60s in this draft. Uh, get the best defensive player for what you need. That would be Jay Soren for me. So, yep. So that was 19. So, 20. Last pick of this. Let me do 20. These Chicago Bears. Da, Bears. Well, so right you now the Bears are picking. Yes. But
1: with the rumors swirling around about potentially Carson Wentz coming to town, I've heard some chatter, but for now we'll just say the Bears. And I had them taking another defensive stud, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Okay. With, you know, you got Khalil Mack there. I think he, I think this, I'm not even going to try to say his last name again because I'll probably butcher it, but I think this dude's a stud and can give you, at the very least, some rotational depth uh, for the next couple of years, and then maybe work him into a bigger role. Obviously, they're loaded defensively, but getting another guy wouldn't hurt anything. I also think that they could potentially go offense, but the way this is shaking out, I'm not sure that there's really any offensive options out there that, uh, that would, would be with their appetite
0: as far as where they are right now. Yeah, uh, defensive side, I don't blame if they go there, but for me... Um, Defense looks fine, in my yeah. opinion. Offense, you can't even remotely say the same thing. So, for me, it starts with the running game of the old line. So, for me, um, one shock me if this trade went around, this pick went around, in potential deal for a quarterback, which I think would be the most ludicrous thing, and it would just turn, it would turn the hot seat of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy to almost a white nuclear high yeah. level. Um, I have Jalen Mayfield out of. Uh, okay, mission. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think at this point, you know, you could debate about who's the best tackle on the board right now, but they kind of tend to like those more athletic, agile linemen like they have with uh, James Daniels. Um, I think a young offensive lineman, offensive tackle like Jalen Mayfield can be uh, beneficial for the next four years for what they want to do. Montgomery, David Montgomery looked good, um, ran the ball toward the end of the year. If you could run the ball especially in the division, which you need to be able to run the yes. ball. Uh, I have to take pressure out of whoever's at quarterback, whether it be Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky, Carson Wentz, um, you know, um, a guy that's outside my apartment right now. Uh, anybody quarterback just needs a run game. So that's where I have it at. So, yep, that was the 11 through 20 of our uh, UC mock draft version 1.0. Christian, what's next on the schedule, my man? Well, it looks like we've got a little Trevor Bauer talk. Oh, yes, we do. For those who don't know, uh, Trevor Bauer, the reigning NL Cy Young winner, was down to two teams, the New York Mets and the Los Angeles Dodgers. However, Bauer decided to go with the Dodgers, I believe, on a three-year deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that now gives them a rotation of Clayton Kershaw, Walker Buehler, Trevor Bauer— David Price, either Julio Urias or Dustin May at this point. Um, when we talked Lindor going to the Mets and Carrasco with him. we talked about the Mets being probably the favorites in the NL East, but not the National League because we thought the Dodgers and the Padres would be the horse race. Obviously, the Cardinals added RNL too, so the NL was going uh, to be a dog fest, uh, dog fight, dog fest. What the heck? Uh, now we have. The Dodgers with three Cy Young winners in the rotation. Boy. Did the Dodgers just once again pull away with the National League? Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. I
1: you know their lineup is insane. They you know, they got a heck of a lineup with all those bats. And it didn't even really hit me at how low they were at pitching until you ran through their uh their staff there. It's like, man, how does anybody take two out of three from these guys? Like how? With with Kershaw, Buellard, Bauer, Price, Dustin May, Julio Yeris, how does anyone get two out of three out of that?
0: Unless unless they all have off days. Yeah, like I don't understand. But if you can get if you can get three the thing you get three of those guys have off days on the row. oh boy. Uh, that would, you're doing something right Yeah But man We all thought The NL was going to be A competitive It looked like the Mets Looked like the favorites To win the NL East But the way the division goes With Marcelo Zuna Resigning with the Braves With <laughs> the Phillies I'm blanking on their team With everybody else In that division Washington. Na- With the Nationals Thank you That NL East Is going to be a, a fight you know Central Looked like the Cardinals Basically had that Wrapped double The Cubs and Brewers Could have a fighting shot now the NL West look like Colorado is retooling, although they're young. I think gets a pitching settled. Maybe in a year or two, they could be competitive. The Giants, I don't know what in the world they're up to. They're competitive at one point, and now they're just trying to get some prospects while trying to be competitive. It's that weird flow that just goes nowhere. Um, the Diamondbacks, they've been unpredictable, I think, the past 10 years, whether they're retooling or trying to win now. The Padres added so many big pieces, just sold off the excess they could from the farm system. It looked like they were giving the Dodgers a run for the money, but now, boy, the Dodgers are still the favorites in the West. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's close. And I think the Dodgers are set once again to be the National League champions. Man.
1: Yeah, they're set up pretty well. <laughs> Although, can we talk just for even a second about the the troll job by Trevor Bauer, whether he meant to do it or not, selling those shirts
0: with uh, the Mets logo on them. There, did you see that? I heard about it, and he also had a lengthy apology on Twitter saying that should never happen. Apparently they had plans for like 10 teams that were potential suitors, and apparently there was a miscommunication somewhere, in that is a... PR staff or American staff or whatever and that all got out when it shouldn't have apparently yeah, that's what he said um, I was going to give him a benefit of the doubt but being a journalist like I am uh, I think I'm going to take it just a little bit of salt
1: yeah seriously that was interesting interesting how all that went down
0: Yep. Yeah, so as a uh, bandwagon Mets fan I wasn't thrilled to hear about it but yep yeah, so uh, yeah what we got next Christian
1: Looked like we had a little bit of the AL East preview. Yeah, MLB preview starting with the
0: AL East. righty. So, we're going to go with the next six weeks. We're going to go through obviously all divisions. I think right now the one that's probably most set right now would be the AL East. So, let's break it down. Let's start going team by team here. Um, first of all, I think the pick to win it for both of us is obvious. We can both agree the Yankees and the Pack yeah, Runners. Do. Easily. Alrighty. Uh, let's talk against the GOATMA team then, uh, Baltimore.
1: What's... Not good. They're not good. Um, not much else to say. There's some young pieces to be excited about. But at the end of the day, when Manny Machado left, they uh, kind of lost all hope of being contenders, and now they're just kind of figuring out. I think that they've got a nice piece tonight. I think it's John Means, the
0: pitcher, Connor Jacob means. No, you talking about? Yeah,
1: he's he's pretty solid. I think there's good there's good things to be expected there. But other than him, not
0: my, my, much else you can say. So for me, the Orioles, I uh, will rank these teams in the tiers as we go through the division list. This is a tier. This is a D tier team, which means you're rebuilding. Playoffs not happening. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to this point get these young players in the system. Get you know just climb the ranks from single A, double A, triple A, majors. Uh the way the division is set um Baltimore they could scrap, they'll be competitive, but I the expectations are low all right, so the next team uh let's go to the Boston Red Sox A couple years removed away from being World Series champions now they're in a payroll situation that's just kind of we you expect to have a David Dombrowski like yeah. team of starting Tigers fans we've so seen this before uh. We don't know what's going to happen by sounds of it. Almost everybody was available in the trade block so far this off season, although nothing really happened. Um, just give me your thoughts on Boston. You know, it's an interesting squad. I think last year, definitely a down year.
1: Uh, then they go back and get, and they bring back Alex Cora. I think there's an interesting dynamic to impact there. Obviously plenty of pieces to be excited about, but at the end of the day, they're not catching the Yankees. And they may not catch the Rays or the Blue Jays either. So I think they might get stuck in kind of that purgatory, really, if they can't get out of it and uh, start fast. Uh, it's tough to place them because they're right there. I mean, they're right there. But at the end of the day, I think the youth of the Blue Jays and just the overall expertise of Tampa, just so many things to be excited about them. I think I'm going to have to place Boston fourth.
0: You know, they got some young pieces in the lineup. I like Alex Perdugo.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I love Rafael Devers. I love... I lost my train of thought. I love... I love Bobby is obviously a guy that I think they can kill up, Hopefully play first. Or DH. Michael Chavez is a guy that maybe could fill the role at second base. Darren Bogart's short's always been solid. Always been productive. Always been in the top ten shortstop the past couple years. Christian Vasquez, a catcher. I feel it's the more underrated guys. But he you look at pitching and bullpen, they still got that Evaldi, Nathan Evaldi contract that's going to hold him back for a little while, unless he can send alternate turn it on. Uh, Chris Hill hopefully does well bouncing back from Tommy John surgery. Uh, Walter Rodriguez had a really good year in 19, but in 20, he had COVID, and he had the heart situation that went with it, unfortunately. So that kind of shut him down all year. Um, this is going to come down to Boston's pitching staff and that these young bats can continue to produce. However, I'm going to say right now, the way they are, I'm going to say it's not quite enough. I They could be the third spot in the division. Maybe they can flirt with a wild card if things go right and they can stay healthy. But for me, I think Boston, you know, I think that thing would be the outside looking in. But if they made a wild card spot, you know, I wouldn't be overly surprised. So let's talk about the reigning American League champions now, the Tampa Bay Rays. Obviously, they traded yeah. some pieces. Uh, Blake Snell is no more. Yeah, uh, believe Charlie Morton walking free agency, to my knowledge. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Tampa. Um,
1: where do you see the squad? They're in a tough spot. You know, they're in a tough spot. Obviously, Kevin Cash is. You know, I'd like to. You know, tote him around as one of the best managers in the league, and then look, look what happened last or in the World Series there. Um. Again, tough to play some. They're better than Boston. The lineup is good. There's some things to be excited about. I'll play some third, simply because I think that, and we'll get into Toronto and New York, uh, but I just, I I can see kind of a World Series hangover. They get there. They looked a little bit overmatched. They were competitive. They won a couple of games, but at the end of the day, I don't think they were ready. I think it, they were a nice story. They were an upstart, but it, uh, it's tough for me to get super excited about them um, just because of, you know, they. the Rays are starting to get that reputation, man, you know, where they're locks for the postseason. And then I think they kind of broke through that mold last year now that I think about it get to the World Series. But it's time to win one, boys. And, I mean, with as loaded as the Yankees are,
0: give me them in third. So when I look at Tampa, I think the past couple years they've been building and building for this World Series spot, and now they're at the point where payroll, like, they can't keep some yes. of these contracts in. I think you might see Kevin Kiermaier be the next guy to get moved on. Uh, obviously, Randy Rosarina was arrested back in his home country during, back in December, so you know what he's going to be like, and he played hero throughout their World yeah, Series. Yeah. They have a lot of good young pieces. They have the top prospect in baseball. William Damas, obviously, his Tiger fans remember him as he went to the neighbor price deal. Um, you know, Tampa's gonna be solid. I think like they're gonna have the same success as they did last year. But I am a, but one my player to watch that division would be Chris Archer. Yes, that's right, he's back. So now we look back at that deal Pittsburgh made to get him, and holy smokes, what a fleecing that was. Mm-hmm. But you know, Tampa, I don't think you will see the same success again, they could they get for a card spot? Yes. yes. Would it surprise me if they got back in the ALCS? Not really. Do I think it's likely? Not really. Uh, but yeah, I think the three spot right them as say is good for them. Uh, they finished second, you know it wouldn't surprise me either, but I don't think they'll be division champs at this point. I think right now, we'll talk Boston, Tampa and the next one we're going to talk about hell's going to be the teams fighting just to the second spot, I feel. So let's get to that other team. The Toronto Blue Jays with the amazing young core. Yeah. Guys like Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I know I'm forgetting some names somewhere there. Got Nate Pearson, too. You add George Spring in the offseason, going that outfield. Toronto has assembled a really good lineup. Yes. The pitching staff, you know, we'll see how it goes. But, man... It's kind of unfortunate they have that good of a lineup now, and it's still the second-best lineup in their division.
1: Yeah, and that's crazy to think about. At the end of the day, those young guys are all going to be studs, and they're going to battle with the Yankees. I could see this getting interesting in August, uh, but at the end of the day, man, I just don't think they're there yet. I think they will be with time as they get a little more experience, but right now, this is a group you should be excited about. This is a group you should be excited about. Uh, Bouchette. Guerrero, Biggio, Springer. I mean, they're all going to be beasts, man. It's just a matter of, you know, they missed out on Bauer. Uh, The pitching is probably a step behind. But really, man, they're in a good spot. Toronto's in a good spot. Uh, The Yankees, obviously, are probably going to be better than them. But don't be surprised if this group gets in. Makes a run of the postseason.
0: It wouldn't shock me. Like, I kind look of, kind of damp, but, like, it wouldn't surprise me if they're in the championship series. wouldn't shock me if they somehow manage to squeak out the division even at this point. I think it's a long shot, but if yeah, they were to win the East, somehow, like, edge the Yankees by a game, I would not be surprised. Right. But let's get to that team in the Bronx. Um, man. <sighs> the pieces they have. You talk about Luke Voigt, Gio Urshela. Gary Sanchez, uh, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, D.J. LeMayhew, Gleyber Torres. Um, man, just the lineup is insane. I forgot about Aaron Hicks, too. Uh, but then you look at the rotation. Garrett Cole, you have Sebbrino's healthy. You know, you hope for that. Jamison Tan just got to there, too. Yes, and you had Corey Kluber in there, too. Hopefully, Drew Montgomery's back healthy even with Tommy Johns a couple years ago. And you look at the bullpen with Zach Britton, a roll as Chapman. Uh, just a bunch of guys that can throw some mean sliders. Um, you know, I think we can both agree that these this is the heavyweight and the yes. AL and the heavyweight to try and match the Dodgers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's not much I can add to that because, I
1: mean, they're loaded. I see Tanaka going back overseas hurts. Uh, but... You know they're in a good spot. They're in a very good spot, and I think it's time to start putting a little bit of the pressure cooker on. Where if it's you know you don't win
0: this division, then you gotta start making some decisions. Alrighty, that was the AL East breakdown. What do you say next week we talk about the AL Central and not try and be depressed about it? Yeah, no kidding. Alright, so that was the AL East preview from Sports Mike Content. Now let's get to my favorite segment on this show. I'm hoping this week goes better. You all know what time it is. It's Ken, Christian, King. Christian, are you ready? Oh, yeah. So this week's topic. Last week, I threw you about the 07, 08 wings, and... I was not ready. You were not. I was struggling. It was a struggle, to say the least. So, this week, obviously, we just got through Super Bowl 55. Let's go back about a decade and talk about Super Bowl 45. Uh, are you ready? Oh, uh. yeah. Question one. I need to make sure these names. Now, when I ask names, the pronunciation has to be correct. It can't be another Dominic Handic scenario. Okay. Yeah. Easy enough. Okay. So Super Bowl Forty Five. Name the starting quarterbacks.
1: Name the starting quarterbacks. That'd be Ben Roethlisberger and Aaron Rodgers. Correct. One point,
0: Christian. To question number two. Green Bay's starting off the starting linebacker core was pretty good. Clay Matthews and AJ Hawk. Uh huh. However, the other outside linebacker opposite of Clay Matthews was a CMU alum. Frank Whoa. Zombo. Correct. Alrighty, Two for two. All right. Stop playing with me. All right. So we mentioned Clay Matthews. Question number three. A game-changing play in that game that still haunts my nightmares to this day. Clay Matthews stripped the Pittsburgh running back to force a fumble and put the game away as Rodgers would hit Greg Jennings in the end zone to win the game. Name the Steelers running back that Clay Matthews stripped. Rashard Mendenhall? Correct. It's Rashard, but I'll give you that. See, I thought
1: it was Rashard and said Rashard. So you're
0: three for three. That's a first.
1: Stop playing with me, man.
0: Now the bonus question. That game, they have one Super Bowl record. The Packers and Steelers combined for the least amount of rushing attempts in the Super Bowl. How many rushing attempts?
1: Twenty thirty six. Correct. Yeah,
0: thirteen by Green Bay, twenty three by Pittsburgh. Dang! Alrighty. Alright, I kind of figured this week I would uh, ease up a little bit, but next week I'm going to come at your balls to the wall. Hope you realize that.
1: Just don't, don't, don't be coming at me with no Rodney Stucky talk, big
0: dog. I'll be ready for that. <laughs> Alright, so now it's time. That was Ken Christian Hank, brought to you by. uh oh, Well, we don't have sponsors yet. We'll just say, we'll say, brought to you by the Life Sports Desk. There How about that? Go. We'll do that. So, time for quick thoughts, correct? Yep. What do we got to talk about here, Nick Well, first I'm going to throw you a, I mentioned it a little
1: bit earlier, Carson Wentz appears to be on the move, and it appears he's going to Chicago in exchange for Nick Foles. Kind of a two-parter here. Number one, are you sick and tired of seeing Nick Foles? In Philadelphia, it's like the relationship in high school that just won't end. They break up for a year, and then all of a sudden they're back together. So, part A, are you sick of seeing Nick Foles in Philly? And number two, do you think Carson Wentz is really, I mean, is he that bad?
0: I don't think he's that bad. I think Philly wants a fresh start because mm-hmm. they're in the cap-hella situation. I'm not buying him Chicago, though. I think if that were to happen and things still go right for Chicago, you're seeing Nagy and Pace out the door by Thanksgiving. Easy. Because you move in, Obviously the draft capital To move to get to Cleo Mac Yes That was worth it In my opinion mm-hmm. You're one kick away From getting to Probably making a Super Bowl Run if Trubisky Keeps Progressing the way it did However In that same chagrin though um, I don't think Carson is the answer for the Bears Obviously You gotta swap contract For contract I'm not sick of Nick Foles and Philly Philly does what Philly Wants to do at this point I don't have a dog In that fight When it comes to that team but you know, I'm not buying the Chicago thing. And if that happens, um, that better work, or that Chicago team's getting blown up. And with that defense, it would be a shame. That would probably be the best defense of our generation to not even get not even sniff and, not even sniff a conference championship mm-hmm. game. That, my friends, would just be that's a heartbreaker. I feel for Bears fans. Yes, if you've been there, that that much talent on defense, like Camille Khalil Mack Camille, what the heck? Khalil Mack. We're talking talk about Robot Smith, Danny Trevad, Leonard Floyd for a while, Akeem Hex, Eddie Goldman, I'm not forgetting some other names. You have Eddie Jackson, Kyle Fuller, you had Adrian Amos for a while. Man, the Bears this the Bears don't get it done this year. And Pace and you are out the door. I just honestly would just, I'm drinking on with Bears fans on that one. Like, that's just a run that I would just blow.
1: Yeah.
0: And obviously the Bears' organization would have no one to point to but themselves. I mean, you can make a case saying they screwed up in seventeen with the quarterback, but man, that's kind of how I feel about the whole situation. Yeah.
1: Uh, question two, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins kind of blew it up a little bit today.
0: What are your thoughts on that? So Ron Hextall is now the GM and the absolute legend and Brian Burke. is now the director of hockey operations. Uh, I saw this. So I was eating lunch as we are recording this on a Tuesday. Um, didn't see this coming at all. I didn't see Hextall ever being in uh, Pittsburgh for as much works as a player and – um, a front office man in Philadelphia. Uh, and Brian Burke, I never saw who jump back in the front office game, but you know I think when you talk about Pittsburgh and you realize that the window to make one last run with Crosby, with Malkin, with Latang, with Gensel, it's narrowing. Mm-hmm. It really is. you got to make one last push for these guys. You have to. You probably have about, I'm going to say, three years left in this run. Three years to get this right. And, you know, Hextall, I think he did some good in Philadelphia. I don't think he did amazing. Obviously, some of the guys they have now, they look at Sean Couturier, uh, obviously, right Patrick. obviously, the only problem I think Hextall had was bringing in goaltending, which I think Philadelphia finally had sell now with Carter Hart. Um, but, man, Brian Burke's not going to play around in Pittsburgh. Right. So, I'm excited at this, at this but also this better be right or else, you know. I mean, the Crosby and Malkin, the that court, three cups, great run. But I think if you look at Pittsburgh's ownership, you realize that window is narrowing before you have to, you know, just start from scratch all over again. So that's how I feel about the whole thing.
1: Yep, and my last part for you, we talked about the Super Bowl. How about that show that was put on by Tampa Bay's defense led by none other than Todd Bowles? Flashback a couple of weeks ago, Lions had the opportunity to interview Todd Bowles to be their head coach, and they declined the opportunity in favor of Dan Campbell. My question to you, did the Lions and other teams miss out by not giving Todd Bowles a fair shake?
0: I think no, because I think I was reading something athletic. I think the Lions knew what they wanted have yes. a head coach, and I feel with Dan Campbell they have that. I think Todd Bowles is a really good football mind, but I think, I think the type of coach he is, we've seen Detroit before and not go very well. Mm-hmm. I think other teams too. Yeah, you can make that point, but I'm right. Um, wasn't there a rule because like there's a reason why enemy couldn't really uh, interview or be hired anywhere either? Like, because they were still in the playoffs. yes. exactly. So I think that was that's the think that so I think that's the thing that held him back honestly. I mean, yes, he's a good, he's a really good coordinator. Yeah, the thing I have with him and the Jets, These are the Jets, correct? Yes, yes. That was really his fault. That organization has been dysfunctional for so long. Um, you know, I think just the fact, you know, we can be all upset about him not getting a head coaching opportunity. Him being on me too. There's a there's just a legitimate case I feel about that, but you know, I think honestly, if this is me talking, if I'm a coach in the NFL and I have a choice between you know, take a head coaching job of a team that needs a total reset, or it could be a coordinator of a team that's the best to make in my confidence and playing for a Lombardi trophy. I'm taking the coordinator to have a shot for a Lombardi trophy personally. Like, mm-hmm. a little less responsibility, but also, like, you're more generalized in what you want to do, and obviously, you're finding more success. So, honestly, yeah. There's a great, you can make a legit case for about top Bulls not getting a head coaching job or Eric Bieniemy, But at the same time, you know, it's not like they're unemployed. Yeah. It's at the same time, it's not like they're not finding success. I mean, they're still both crucial in what they were doing and teams that are finding tremendous success. So, yep, yeah, you have a case against them not getting head coaching opportunities, but at the same time it's not like, you know, they're in just right. awful so, spots in their yeah. careers.
1: It's not like the end of the world.
0: All right, so I think it's time for the question of the week. Is yes. that correct? So, Christian, you got there'll be two answers. One as a fan and one as a journalist. Who is the best player you've seen a person, the best player you've seen while covering a game? See, this is a tough one because is it best player or is it best performance? We'll say for now, probably the best all-around player. Hmm... Yeah, to break it down by sport, that's totally fine.
1: Well, I, I'm thinking more by level. Because I've watched being where I'm from, it's like a four hour hike to Comerica or to I've still never been to a Lions I've been to one Lions preseason game and I've never been to a Pistons or Red Wings game. So, with that said, I'm you know, this is gonna be a bit of a unique answer, but I'm gonna go with the best performance I've seen. And that's partially because this was one of the best players in the state of Michigan high school. So in the class of 2013, the highest-rated high school football player was a wide receiver from Grand Rapids Christian High School. That's where my mom went to high school, so I was familiar with the area. And we would go watch this team play because we had gotten word that this kid was really good. And let me tell you, Mitch, Drake Harris... From Grand Rapids Christian High School, we went down to the state finals to watch Drake Harris play against Orchard Lake St. Mary's, who the the defensive back covering him was none other than Jalen Watts Jackson, Michigan State hero. And let me tell you, Drake Harris rewrote every record in Michigan State finals history. I mean, you're talking 230 yards receiving, a couple of touchdowns. And when the game was late, and they were losing by three, it was like fourth and 14, and they threw the ball up to Drake Harris, caught it first down, they kicked the field goal to tie the game, and then won it in overtime. Drake Harris was without a doubt the most outstanding athlete I've watched play in person. You know, obviously my, I could make the case for Dan LaFever and Antonio Brown because I was obsessed with them. But objectively, the best player I've watched in person was a high school football player by the name
0: of Drake Harris. So as a reporter covering the sports, was that also your answer too? Or No,
1: no. So when it comes to being a reporter, obviously this is a little bit more of a shorter window. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you to the convention center. I'm going to take you to the combo in Athens, Ohio, because I feel like I had the scoop on Jason Preston before all the national media did. I watched that man play in the MAC tournament last year, the day before everything got shut down. Let me tell you, that kid's a stud. Jason Preston is a stud, and I think that there needs to be an NBA team who takes a chance on him because his unique abilities to pass, shoot, defend, uh, ball handling, you mix that with his size, man, he's going to be – He's gonna be legit. I'd have had him if I'd have had a vote. I'd have picked him to be my MAC preseason Player of the Year. Um, obviously, they've had some COVID issues down in Athens, so I mean, I think he's on the outside looking in as far as that race goes. But still, just an incredible player. And it's in my very limited time, and granted, my limited exposure to pretty much exclusively Mid American Conference. Uh, Jason Preston is my vote there.
0: Yeah. So I was reporting and stuff. Um, I actually got to watch Jason Preston play this year, and I gotta say. I've seen a lot of good athletes go, come to McGurk and whatnot. And honestly, I think the best player I've seen in McGurk, no disrespect to anybody who's ever won a Gold. Because obviously, see, I'm talking, I've seen, I've covered a good, like, Presley Hudson, Raina Frost, Ari Austin Jr., Sean Rancho stuff. But Preston was by far and away the best player I've ever seen on that floor. And obviously, I know, it's no disrespect to anybody ever seen yet. Right. But just his demeanor, his ball-moving ability, his shot... Is the rotation he gives in the shot it looks funky to me? Yeah, very. Kind of it's just weird, but best player of covered, Jason Preston. As for watching. Um if you want to talk performance two come to mind. Um, I did watch Michael Thomas in twenty nineteen against the Titans when he broke Marvin Harrison's single season reception record. Really? Yes. Um, and also I also you know I don't mention that, but I think the best performance and the best all around athlete I've ever seen Giannis from Milwaukee. Bucks. I can't really pronounce that last name at the top of my head. Oshakubo. Okay, thank you because I'm having a really bad day speech talking and I wasn't going like, able to pronounce that last name. I watched him game four against the Pistons in 19. I saw him absolutely single-handedly take down a trade in game four, dropping 40 points with a double-double. There was literally nobody on that floor, probably even two men on that floor that could double-team him, that could stop that man in that game. As athletic as big as he had just getting to the rim, just driving... Jump shots from 10, 15 feet. Just all around probably the best performance I think I've seen. And I've watched some good athletes play. I've seen Ovechkin play in person. Mm-hmm. I've seen Drew Brees play too. Um, I've seen I've been to a Patriots preseason game in Tennessee, but Brady did not play, obviously. So right. I can't say Brady because I'm crying a little bit. Um, I could throw in J.J. Watt, missing senior Wisconsin. But I think right now I have to go Greek Freak. So yeah, I think we're we just think about time to wrap this up. Any last thoughts before we go off the air? No, sir. Obviously, um before we sign off, um rest in peace to Pedro Gomez. Yeah, seriously. Absolute legend in the reporting industry, but in the journalism industry, uh someone who just loved the game of baseball, was really compassionate toward others. Um, I don't think his I don't think enough could be said about the work he done, the quality of man he was for everything yes. we've read. So yeah, rest in peace to Pedro Gomez. So, yep. So, on that note, um, for Christian Boer, I'm Mitch Fosberg. Keep us sticking the ice.